Gather your geek. It's time to head out for our road trip across America that will scare your pants off. Along the way, with your hosts, you'll be setting up camp in some of the scariest places they can find. Discover each episode a cryptid, a haunting, and a strange encounter. Climb a bowl, a cryptid camper, if you're brave enough. Take it away, Tom. Live from our cryptid camper, I'm Tom, and I'm here with my good friend Shay, and we'd like to thank you for joining us for Season 3, Episode Number 6 of the Scare Your Pants Off Our American Road Trip. In today's episode, we've set up camp in Minnesota. So, how you doing today, Shay? I am really, really good for reasons that I'm not going to divulge yet, but you will find out before the end of the episode. And all I'm saying is this is this episode is 58 episodes in the making for me, but I'm great. How are you, Tom? Oh, I can't wait. And that's uh, to hear. Uh, I'm really good. I'm really, really good. Uh, nice day and uh, excited for this episode. It was uh, a lot of fun doing the research. Um, so what's new? What's going on? I have been watching, and I know you haven't watched it yet, so no spoilers. Don't worry. Um, uh, Yellow Jackets is coming to a close, and I, I was already hooked. I was hooked within the first like episode or two of season one, and I didn't know that there was a possibility to be more hooked, but I am, and I like, and it's and it stinks because I know it's gonna end on a cliffhanger because it does, and that this show, ooh, this show is infuriating because it does that. But I, I both can't wait for the season finale. And am dreading the wait until season three, which better be happening because there's no way they're going to close everything up and it's going to annoy me for the next year until it comes out again. But I am loving it. Oh, I can't wait. I have somehow managed to avoid all spoilers and I do not know how um, because it's... uh, I, yeah, I uh, don't know how, and I because I love this show. It was my favorite show all last year. Like you, I was hooked that first episode when I saw it. I had heard something about it. I said, oh, I'll give that a shot. That sounds kind of cool. And um, immediately fell in love with it and was so bummed the way, in a good way, bummed when it ended last year in the way because it didn't really, you know, you you you're teased the whole cannibalism stuff but you didn't see anything and um and it was it was just an unbelievable first season and just was just knew it was going to be picked up because everybody who watches it just talks about how great of a show it is and just uh but it better be picked up again because um yeah i can't wait uh it was what uh so this upcoming week is is the final the season finale I, I either that or the week after. I'm not I'm not hundred percent, but it's it's we're I'm I'm currently I think like within an episode or two of the season finale. So if it's not this week, it's next week. It's close. So Okay. Yeah. I because I was originally gonna sign up for the three month, whatever, a show time, and then it turned out to be a free week, so I just been kinda 
holding off and uh but it kills me because every time i turn on my fire stick fire tv it's like the first thing i see is oh new episodes of uh yellow jackets and i just it's just such a good show the way they do it the way they jump back and forth in time the actors are really great the adult versions match the the uh teenage version so well it just oh man um yeah i oof, can't wait i i i'm it's been killing me i may just have to suck it up and order it this week uh sign up for the free whatever this weekend and just pay whatever because it's been killing me to to hold off yeah. and not watch it it's so good oh so i know they were having a deal for the year and i can't remember what it was but it ended up actually being a pretty good deal for a year too but uh if you do get showtime uh, my second favorite thing on Showtime actually ended not too long ago, too. And it's called Your Honor. Have you heard of that one? I have actually heard of it. That's Brian Cranston, right? He plays like a judge and his kid did something shitty, like car accident or something like that. It's uh, And I love Brian Cranston. So that's a good show? That is such a good show. And it, and it, it boggles my mind to no end how Hal from Malcolm in the Middle in his underpants getting his back shaved by his wife in the kitchen is that incredible and that versatile of an actor. He's phenomenal. He was great in Breaking Bad. He was, he was just, he blows my mind. And it's, it's absolutely, yeah, he's phenomenal in it. And it's such a great story. And season two was, was nothing short of amazing as well. So. Ooh, definitely check that out. Yeah, it's kind of amazing to think what he, uh, the dad from Malcolm in the Middle, or, or uh, what he went on to do. And it's uh, Breaking Bad, one of my all-time favorite shows. Uh, um, and then I've heard nothing but good things. And then some of the movies that he's done, it just, he's amazing. He's really, really good. And he's such a goofball. And uh, he was great in Malcolm in the Middle, but he was a goofball so yeah yep no he's he's intimidating like almost it, it, like not i don't know how to say it, but yeah i think intimidating is the way i would say it is he's in parts of breaking bad and and in your honor in ways he's 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 not like he's he's an intimidating guy kind of and it's and it's yeah i don't know i i i don't know how that happened but i love it yeah now, he was Malcolm in the Middle, right? Not The Middle, because I know there was a show The Middle as well. Oh, no, he was Malcolm in the Middle. Okay, yeah, that's why I, I, I was 99% sure, and then I just started questioning it in my head because I remembered that other show, The Middle. So, but, yeah, no, uh, I just wrote it down. I'll definitely, definitely check that out, Your Honor. Always looking for something good, good to watch. All right. Well... I think this week you have a cryptid. Time for the cryptid. Do I? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, okay. So, I there was there really isn't a ton of cryptids in Minnesota, but it's fine because I've known for well over a year which cryptid I was doing in this state. I'm going to lay a little backstory for everybody listening. When Tom and I started this podcast, we made a list of the states and then we met up in video 
and we kind of game planned and then we went back and forth and picked which state we wanted to do the haunt in so that would be our episode if you notice we go back and forth between the episodes when tom does the haunt he does the intro and he runs the show when i do the haunt i do the intro and i run the show and it's <laughs> he picked minnesota 32nd it was a 32nd pick oh my god i was dying because i did not want minnesota for the hunt not that minnesota doesn't have great haunts i know it does but i needed minnesota and this bastard <laughs> and i say that in the nicest way possible this bastard waited and waited and waited and waited finally he picked minnesota and and all was right with the world but then i had another problem there are so many other states that this cryptid could have been used in. i knew i wasn't gonna do it because i was waiting specifically for the 32nd episode of our american road trip to do this but while in minnesota uh one creature has a glaring presence and especially in the Northwoods. So for your listening pleasure on our 32nd episode of the American Road Trip, our 58th episode of this podcast period, I'm finally gonna do it. It's gonna happen, here I go. I'm gonna tell y'all about the Wendigo. I've made the correlations, but today we're talking about the real Wendigo and here we are. All right, for anybody who knows this, I'm super excited to talk about this one and i mean it every time i say it but i i mean it right now more than i usually mean it because i am genuinely <laughs> excited to talk about this so the name wendigo has quite a few variations of it there you can be the uh the watigo the Wittigo, the watiko the windigo the wendigo the there's a lot of ways to say it I like Wendigo. I don't know why. It's just what sticks with me. So that's how I say it. Uh, the names roughly translate to the same thing, though. Evil spirit, eater of mankind. Now, when I hear this, and I know, and I knew that, and I love it, and part of my psyche for loving the Wendigo so much is probably derived from Stephen King's It, when when Pennywise says that he is the eater of worlds, and, I, and it's... Ugh gets me right in the soul every time I it's and I probably why I love the Wendigo the way I love the Wendigo. Now, the descriptions across regions vary to some degree, to some degree, sorry. Uh, generally very tall and in some instances it's 15 or so feet tall. Um, most descriptions pay, uh, portray them as gaunt or decaying and really like emaciated looking, but still very intimidating looking. In the Northwoods region, it is believed that a heart of ice lies within its chest. In other cases, a glowing heart of coal, almost like embers, lie there instead. In Minnesota, some believe that even its whole body might be made of ice or frosted over in some way, which is a really cool image. I actually really love the image that that paints. In others, its body appears burnt or also with embers and its chest glowing, which is, again, I love that imagery. And it's not super strange to think that from region to region that things could change. You have, you know, your everyday animals that have, you know, 
lighter coats down south and thicker coats up north is normal. Things change due to climate. Uh, in most cases, it has an identifiable odor, though. However, again, this odor varies. In some cases, it's said to smell of rotted flesh or decomposition, just death. Very distinct smell. In others, it's said to smell of burning and fire or maybe even singed hair or singed flesh. So, again, very cool imagery. Mm -hmm. In most cases, it's cannibalistic. It's generally created from a human, though the reasons vary. In many cases, it's because they've done something heinous, like murder. Another common origin is that it's a human who has committed cannibalism. Now, in some cases, it's by choice, and it's done maliciously, and it's a punishment to become a Wendigo because you did something horrible. In others, though, it's done in desperation to survive, so it's just a price you pay for survival, I guess. Uh, sometimes the Wendigo is covered in gangly flesh that almost hangs off of them, and in other times they're covered in matted fur. In some cases, there's a little bit of both. In many cases, they're malevolent and on the prowl and willing to devour any creature, human or not, that finds themselves in its path. It will eat and destroy and murder and mean anything that sets foot in its way. In many cases, it uses mimicry, whether it be like a physical mimicry, like a uh, shapeshift uh, shape almost, or vocal mimicry, leading hikers or passersby into the woods to be able to capture them and devour them. Now, in some lore, however, they feed mainly on animals and live out their days paying for their own crimes. And in some cases, some fantastic cases, and if you know me and you've listened to this podcast, this is how I will probably die if ever given the opportunity to look for a Wendigo. In some cases, it is possible to befriend a Wendigo. <laughs> and then, and in those cases, they generally, if they do eat people, they only devour bad people. So I would be fine. I'm not a bad person. They're not going to devour me. I feel like I could probably be their friend, hoping that it's a nice one to go. But, you know, I'll die happily. <laughs> now, the last thing that I'm going to talk about is it's it's a small part of the whole Wendigo lore. But for some reason, it always just sticks out to me as really cool is its footprints. Now, the footprints, again, vary by region, but they're always, I, I would just love to find them. Um, in some cases, the footprints are frosted over, seem to have frozen the earth. You see ice and whatnot. Uh, in some cases, they are full of blood. In some cases, they're just hooved or odd-shaped with uh, almost like talons visible in the footprint. And in some cases, it scorches the earth below them which probably my favorite, but I love all of it. <laughs> and that, my friends, is finally the Wendigo. And I could go on for hours, but I will bore you. But that is the Wendigo. Okay. I love it. <laughs> and I have specifically avoided choosing the Wendigo in any of the states because I know of your love for the Wendigo because there are a few states where I was like, Ooh, you know, it, it was like the best story, you know, but I was just like, this, 
I gotta let Shay have it because she will do it better justice. And I am uh-huh. so glad I did. Um, a life goal is you befriending a Wendigo. That that is everything right there. Um, I I would absolutely love for you to um, become uh, friends with a Wendigo. My favorite version, personally, of the Wendigo is the emaciated with sort of like leathery skin, but it's super tight to the the body to the point where it's like. It looks like it's got a six pack, but that's just the rib cage um, coming yeah. through, and then it has the antlers. That's that's my favorite. Um, and then just that the odd uh, the smell of the burning flesh, um, kind of like. I, I, did you ever watch the show Hannibal? Yes. And the Wendigo and that, which was a symbol for, um, you know, obviously Hannibal Lecter being the cannibal, which you kind of get into where, you know, a, a person that's cannibal, you know, that's it ties together. Um, but the, that version of it, which is really hard to see because it's all black and in most of the episodes and that the way that sh- series was shot was very dark and everything like that. Great series. I love it. Um, but that's sort of my favorite uh version it just it's um it i find it very scary i like like just that emaciated very just uh um love the stuff about like the footprints and i thought it was a great point on how you pointed out that uh you know different parts of the it would make sense that they're different in different parts because of climate and whatever else, terrain, all that stuff is, you know, where you have bunnies or, you know, little, little rabbits that are white versus gray, depending on where they, what part of the, the, the world they're from. So I thought that was great. Um, the mimicry um, thing, I, I, um, Wendigo's, in my opinion, they they kind of they do kind of have a lot in common with skinwalkers, um, and uh, but I really like that the whole the whole mimicry. Um, yeah, I just I am I am so glad that you got to talk about it. I'm so glad that we got to talk about it because I mean it's uh, yeah the Wendigo is a fun one it, 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 in in a dark way because it's cannibal blah 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 death and. In, in mayhem usually follows Wendigo. It's not always, but a lot of times, you know. Um, the whole fact that you could, I remember when we, in one episode where you're talking, I think it was, we were talking about like, uh, sort of like an ice Wendigo or something, but it was something different name and um, how you could befriend it. And I just love that, that you can somehow befriend a Wendigo. I just think that's, that's amazing. Amazing. Yep. But yeah, no, I am, I'm glad that 32 episodes into the road trip and whatever you said, 58-ish episodes total, that we finally get to talk about the true Wendigo. So I love it. Love it. It's been a long road, but I'm I'm, I'm really glad. I'm so glad. And it's funny because I... I love that that was in the back of your head too, and I and thank you because obviously it is my favorite cryptid, and I uh, I can't it, so I I love your favorite version of the Wendigo, and it's actually very similar to my favorite version of the Wendigo. The only thing I would change or add, and not even change, 
to my favorite version of the Wendigo. I love the burnt. I love I love that aspect of it. One image that always sticks out to me, and I and I just and I and I absolutely love it, is in some cases where it has like an ember heart uh, in its chest, and it glows through the like super thin skin. I mm-hmm. I just picture like being in the woods, and yeah, I would probably still try to friend it because I'm I that's who I am. But I just picture being in the dark woods and just seeing that glow. And for oh, it, like I got goosebumps actually talking about it right now. But I, that glow for me is is just like a huge part of my favorite version of the Wendigo. Hell yeah, nice. I know exactly where you're talking about. I can kind of picture it where it's 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 almost coming out of the chest a little bit, and it just yeah, it's uh yeah, good little detail in there. Oh, good choice, good choice. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Uh, do we want to say anything else about the Wendigo? I mean, I could, but I, I have nothing else for this episode now. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, I'll uh, jump into the haunting. Time for the haunting. This week, because that's what I had. And um, not super duper long, but pretty interesting. And kind of funny enough is... Last week you did a you you did a bridge and mine's a bridge and a little different different type of bridge and everything like that but just kind of funny how that will happen every once in a while with our things this weird sort of synchronicity between it um, so I'm gonna talk about the Arcola Trail Bridge have you heard of it I have not cool I had not either. So, the Arcola Trail Bridge is located around a mile north of the town of Stillwater, Minnesota. Uh, this railroad bridge, yes, it's a railroad bridge. That's all it is. It's just got a, got a, a, a track for a train. Um, crosses 200 feet above the swirling St. Croix River. So, it's pretty high up. Construction on the bridge started in 1909 and finished in 1911 and was quite the architectural marvel for the time. I mean, yeah, early 1900s, uh, a bridge that high above a river, uh, pretty impressive. But construction proved to be quite arduous and according to some, tragedy befell some of the workers. Now, I could not find any official records of any deaths during the construction, but um, the stories and rumors persist, and again, this was 1909 to 1911, so records weren't as good, there was no internet, there was no cloud, um, and just that stuff wasn't considered, like, super important, so even though I can't find official records, it doesn't mean it didn't happen, but it doesn't mean it absolutely did happen either. Um, so visitors claim to hear the muffled conversations of the workers, uh, screams and cries, whistling sounds of the workers, almost like a whistling or a humming to a, to a tune, as well as the horn or whistle of the train and even apparitions. Now, I don't know why they would hear the train so much. Um, 
unless it's like a certain situation, but because the train's not really known as a ghost train, but it seems to be fairly common in the descriptions of what people hear or see as the sound of the train. Um, there are also the stories of hikers and sightseers eager for an up-close view of the majestic river. Most of the stories state that the spectators wander out onto the bridge for a closer look only to lose their footing and fall to their demise. While others would venture out onto the bridge, assuming that such a old rickety looking train bridge was surely no longer in use, but as they get out to the middle of the bridge, they hear the horn or the, the whistle of the train approaching and realize, oh yeah, it definitely still is in use. Um, so, you know, being in the middle of this long, you know, this bridge, and it's pretty long, it goes between two cliffs and it's 200 feet above the water, they're basically left with two options. And those options are A, being by hit by the train and dying or b jumping off the bridge and dying hmm. so those are neither of those are good i do feel like the train would probably have less less margin for error but i neither of those were pleasant sounding exactly and yeah i don't it's like i go back and forth on which i would rather have like like which way to die do i want to die hitting the water or do I want to die being ripped apart by a train? I don't know. Um, because they're both not great. Like you said, they're both not great, but most choose to jump, but not all, hmm. but most of them choose to jump as, as opposed to get hit by the train. So it is said that you can hear the screams and cries along with, again, the, like I was saying earlier, the, either the horn or the whistle of the train. Others actually have claimed to see like streaks of light falling from the bridge, almost like a shooting star or an orb, orbs dropping off the bridge. You don't see the body or anything, but just like these streaks of light just drop into the water. And finally, the most famous haunt at this location is the apparition of the woman in white. Often at night, but occasionally during the day, people near the bridge encounter what appears to be a young woman in a white dress walking the tracks. When she is seen by these onlookers, spectators, sightseers, whatever you want to call them, um, you know, they're obviously a little thrown by seeing her, but she never seems to notice the onlookers. She simply uh, walks, sometimes walks just right past them or simply walks further down the tracks, um, eventually disappearing into the night. Or if it was those odd occasions when it was in the day, I guess it would be into the day. Um, some witnesses claim that she's carrying a blue lantern. Uh, now, some of the witnesses have claimed to only see the blue light, not even a lantern, just this blue light, and they don't see her body or anything, but they see a, uh, this blue light walking back and forth across the bridge. 
But in all accounts, the apparitions, the apparition dims and fades into the night. It is believed the woman was the girlfriend or wife of one of the poor souls that lost their life when they had to jump off the bridge to avoid the train. And that now, unfortunately, she just wanders her afterlife searching for her lost love. And that's what I have for the Arcola Trail Bridge. That I love so I I don't know what it is about the blue light. I, I just I don't know. It's it's almost like it's almost saying it's peaceful in some way, but it so I think blue lights and I think like growing up, um one of my grandfathers always had just blue lights for Christmas. So for some reason, like I think of the blue light and it's just very peaceful and it's very like non-harming almost. I don't know. Maybe it's her way of trying to say, you know, watch out for this or, you know, or whatnot, but it, it's, it's kind of like a nice, and so obviously it's awful that she's there for whatever reason she's there, but it, I feel like that's almost like a nice, a nice story. I know it sounds weird, but. I like that. I hadn't really thought about that with the blue light, but I, I, I like that connection. And blue is like a calming color, like a cool color. And uh, so I like that. I hadn't really thought about that. That's it. She's what really sold me for it as I was doing the research. Because there was, like I said, there was a lot of cool stuff to choose from. And I almost chose there was some caves that uh, the the mobsters used for uh you know smuggling and alcohol you know over the borders during prohibition and stuff like that there's cool stuff but uh when i read the woman in white it was like a heartbreaking story but kind of beautiful in the same sense and i was just like i you know it's sad but it's also sweet that she's you know looking for this lost love so that's what really, really um, sold me on that, definitely. And it's there's cool pictures online of the bridge that people want to see what it looks like. It's pretty impressive. It's very high up above the river. It's it's pretty damn cool. Yeah, it's it is yeah it is super impressive to think back how I don't know how they did stuff back then and and it's and it looking at anything like that huge done without technology that we have right now is, is honestly mind-blowing and it's it's really it's quite amazing actually i agree i agree 100 percent. it's like how how i'm amazed now in 2023 that we're uh <laughs> that we can do these things um so yeah 1909 1910 1911 that's very very impressive <sighs> All right. Well, I believe you have a strange encounter. Time for the strange encounter. I do. And what I'm going to talk about is strange for more than one reason, actually. So you just mentioned, and and it's how it happened. So it's kind of cool. Um, my, the last episode, my haunt was on a bridge. And this episode, your haunt is on a bridge. And the last episode, your strange encounter's name was Ronnie Johnson, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. This episode, my strange encounter revolves around a man named Val Johnson. Oh, 
And they both took place in the 70s. So yours was 71 and mine is 79. So it was a little farther back, but still in the 70s. That's so and strange. I, right? And I think, weren't they both, wasn't yours in the summer too? Wasn't yours in August? I, I don't remember the exact month, but it was, yeah, it was definitely a nicer time of year because he was out and doing farm work and stuff like that. So I think it was summer. All right. So that's the beginning of the strange encounter, which is already strange in itself. But anyways, <laughs> fun fact about Minnesota, um, other than it being home of the Wendigo, which I'm probably going to mention at least one more time before we're over, um, <laughs> is that... Uh, Minnesota has roughly 100 um, alien or UFO sightings per year, which is awesome. However, 90% of them are generally explainable or debunked, um, proven some way or not to not be that. However, that leaves a whole 10% that are not debunked, that are not explained which is awesome because we all know from listening to this podcast and reading things that we read and watching things that we watch that some departments of some agencies that i will not name um really really go through extreme measures to give ridiculous excuses that are non-alien to things that really probably should be alien now <laughs> on august 27th in 1979 at 2 a.m Deputy Sheriff Val Johnson was out on patrol. While he was driving, he saw a beam of light just above the road, and then it suddenly raced towards his car and quickly engulfed it. Uh, he was somehow rendered unconscious, and this is the number that I see in everything that I've read, for 39 minutes. Uh, he, yeah, right? He awoke to find his windshield shattered, a head and tail light were also shattered, his watch and the car's clock were stopped 14 minutes prior. I don't know how he knew that. Um, the antenna was bent, so Johnson called for help. Now, had he not called for help, had he not had other um, other people from the sheriff's department come to help him and have this on record, I feel like parts of this would be wildly unbelievable, but they did. Um, when they found him, uh, his car was sideways across the road uh he had suffered some minor cuts and bruises but his eyes uh were affected by what the doctors called welder's burn and that's horrific and painful and from you know it's it's a random thing to get at two o'clock in the morning when you're driving around in your car yes now on September 11th of 1979, so less than a month later, uh, he was on Good Morning America and did talk about the incident. But after that, he became kind of flooded by the media and people wanting interviews and stuff like that. And, he, and it became a bit of a detriment to his family. And he had, and he just kind of stopped. That's all I actually have for the strange encounter. Okay. So I really like that. Um, the 39 minutes oddly specific um but uh i think it gives you know a nice little 
part of the story. The 14, that's really uh, the 14 minutes with the watch and the clock and everything like that. That's really interesting to me. And we know with a lot of encounters, there's lost time where that happens and people are able to sort of deduce some, like the amount of lost time because, you know, a timepiece of some sort of clock, a watch or something um, stops and the, at a specific point and then they can, you know, kind of um extrapolate you know the time from there so i thought that was really cool the welders burn that's bizarre mm -hmm. and because welders burn is my brother used to be a welder uh he was a master welder at one point and uh i remember he had welders burn on his eyelids um from you know he didn't it was a hot day. He didn't pull his masks down because those masks on a hot day and in a hot, usually a welding, you know, fat, whatever it is, uh, plant, uh, it's already hot in the building. And then it's like, you're just sweating buckets. So they'll pull it up. And I remember he just had it up just a little too long and just being in, in like him talking about just blinking, hurting, you know, just to blink would hurt. So for him to, just get a welder's burn driving around at 2 a.m. in the morning that's that doesn't happen and i i'm assuming he's not driving around and doing like some sort of art project on the in the on the seat next to him with a welding gun you know like a mig welder and shit so i don't i don't even know how you would explain that it's um yeah. and something that i uh, i just oddly thinking about the guy's name was Val. What is uh -huh. Val short for with men? I know with women, you got Valerie and another thing, Valentina. Um, but for men, what is the name Val short for? You know what? I don't, I'm going to look that up. Hold on. Because now I'm... <laughs> I don't know why that struck me. But then I'm just like, because I, I wrote the name Val and I'm looking at it and I'm like, that's a dude. Well, what is that? Because I've heard other dudes named Val and Val Kilmer. Growing yeah, up, yeah. There was a wrestler named Val Venus when I was growing up. So there seems to be a couple options here. And it seems like, I guess Val could also just be a gender neutral name of Latin origin. So that is a possibility. Um, but the masculine given names for the nickname Val could be valerie spelt v-a-l-e-r-i so with no e on the end uh valene v-a-l-e-n-e -E, uh valentine or valentine uh valen or valens huh who knows huh. i thought of valentine but then i was like i don't i've heard the last name valentine but i've never met anybody with the name valid first name valentine that doesn't mean that they don't and then i was thinking i was just it was right i don't know why i thought of it and then i was just like i was like a salvatore but that does, that would be sal you know there wouldn't be a val so i don't know i don't know why I, that that struck me but i was just like i wonder what that's short for but uh anyway yeah it really is but Anyway, I really liked that choice. That was that that was a really um really good choice for the the strange encounter. Uh, just 
a lot of cool details, the car being completely sideways when they get out there um, yep. and shit. It's, if it was a hoax, this guy went to an awful, awful, awful extreme to, <laughs> to, to prank people or to trick people or whatever, because it just, there's, there's a lot there and a lot that just cannot be explained. It's, uh, and then I just saw, and this is a little, it's on topic, but not of your story specifically, but there was just a big article, I think it was last night, I saw it this morning when I woke up, about a bunch of Marines that, uh, you know, a couple, uh, what was it, a year or two ago, and they declassified a bunch of those videos, Strange Encounter videos um, yeah. uh, by the Air Force. Well, I guess there was another incident that was seen by a bunch of people in the Air Force and Marines and some higher ups um, above one, uh, I believe it was an Air Force base that they didn't make public, but it's starting to trickle out now. And all these military people that were witnessed it are wondering, okay, you released all this footage of these things. And then we had this one incident that was, and it, I guess it was over a long period of time um, that they were trying to keep secret for some reason. So. Off yeah, I, I love that things are coming out the way they're coming out and it's and it's funny to me the stuff like you said that they're that they're still for whatever reason being weird about when it's you almost you gotta wonder why like what is what is the what is the motive here what are we trying to hide what are we protecting here like what's what's going on but yeah it's yeah, super intriguing. Some and not the others. It just it does. It comes across as as bizarre. So, but you know, we have our space force now, so we're safe. <laughs> I love that. That's um, so weird. <laughs> space force. Oh, but anyway, yeah, great choice. Loved it. Love the story. Well. Um, is there anything else that we wanted to discuss this week before we let these viewers go? I don't think so. I think that, I think that's everything. All right. Well, all right, folks, thanks for joining us and be sure to tune in next week when we set up camp in Hawaii. And I am excited for this one. I already started a little of the research on it and uh, it's going to be fun. Um, so until then, guys, happy camping. Happy camping. Thanks, guys. As always, our hosts would like to thank you for joining. If you enjoyed the program, please be sure to like, follow, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Find us on Instagram at ScareYourPantsOffPod no spaces or on twitter scare your pants off podcast or send us an email with questions comments and fan art to scare your pants off nine at gmail see you next time